Well, thanks very much for joining us for this week's Tech Law 10. I'm Jonathan Armstrong. I'm based at Cordry in London. And with me is Eric Sinrod, who's in San Francisco. And Eric, I'm hoping that you can help me with something today. I've seen a little bit of a clip uh, about some litigation over there in San Francisco, which concerns Pokemon Go, the augmented reality game. And it seems to be some sort of a class action against Niantic, who developed the Pokemon Go game, saying that people were being nuisances in their backyards. Um, what's that about? And uh, what is this litigation? And, and what was the hearing that we've had recently? Jonathan, thank you. Uh, yeah, this is Eric Sinrod in San Francisco at Dwayne Morris. I love the way you pronounce it. I think you said Pokemon. Uh, here we say Pokemon, uh, be that as may. Uh, just as a little mild introduction, about a year or two ago, I was walking down the street and I was looking into my phone and somebody said, oh, are you doing Pokemon Go? And at that time, as much as I like to pretend I'm a tech maven, I didn't know what they were talking about. Well, of course, now we do, and it was quite the rage for a while, people playing this uh, game, uh, Pokemon Go, outside with their phones. Um, seems to be dying down a little bit, but be that as may, some homeowners have sued uh, in federal court uh, Niantic, which is the development of developer, excuse me, of Pokemon Go, or as you say, Pokemon Go, and they're arguing that people, you know, running around playing the game are nuisances because the game, you know, brings them potentially onto uh, private property and they're getting in the way and they're doing this without permission. In fact, the name plaintiff in what I would call a putative class action, the class action, it, it, it purports to be a class action but it's not yet been certified as a class. So normally right. you have, you know, one or several people saying, look, we're representative of many people been harmed in a similar way. Please, federal judge, make this class action. It has not yet become a class action. It wants to be. Um, and this fellow, uh, Jeffrey Martyr, said he was disturbed by strangers who were holding up their mobile phone as if, as if they were taking pictures of his home in New Jersey. And then some residents of a complex in Florida said hundreds of non-residents invaded their condo complex behaving, quote, like zombies, walking around, bumping into things, close quote. So this, of course, sounds just horrendous. Um, and so my understanding is uh, there's been an initial hearing in federal court in San Francisco in front of uh, Judge Donato, James Donato. And to get your case off the ground now uh, in the United States as a class action, under the Class Action Fairness Act, uh, a federal court can only have jurisdiction if the amount of damages at issue are at least $5 million. So in this complaint that was filed in federal court, uh, the named plaintiff uh, did allege that damages were $5 million, but apparently did not substantiate and explain why. Uh, and so my understanding is there's a pending motion to dismiss uh, arguing that even if you accept the allegations in the complaint as true, they're still not cognizable. They don't state legal claims. But before Judge Donato even gets to that, he wants to have some meat on the bones in the complaint, if possible, to show why there's been $5 million in harm. Because if that is not um, 
substantiated as a matter of factual allegation, then the complaint cannot even proceed in federal court. So that's sort of the first order of business. So the judge has given the, the plaintiff leave to amend so that they can put some meat on the bone saying, yes, there's been over $5 million in damages, let us explain. Um, and that's not uncommon. Uh, normally, these are like what are called pleading battles. As soon as the complaint is filed, the defense will normally say, this complaint is not satisfactory, and they attack it. And ultimately, if they attack it successfully, the case just won't go forward. But judges are fairly liberal, at least in the first instance, saying, well, I'll give you one more bite at the apple to properly plead your complaint. Now, sometimes a plaintiff, Jonathan, will say, well, hold on, we can't plead our entire case because we need discovery to mm. find out certain facts in the case from the other side. But that's not true here. Why is that? Because the plaintiffs are claiming $5 million in harm or more. Well, they should know that. It's their own harm they're complaining about. It's not something they need to discover from the other side. So just because people might be showing up and walking around like zombies and bumping into things, well, that might not be attractive for you. You might not have that within your own sensibilities, but $5 million in damage, $5 million in damages or more? I don't know. So uh, we need to stay tuned and see, you know, where this goes. Uh, but we're just at the very beginning of this case. And, but for this case to have any traction and go forward, they will have to show uh, as a matter of factual allegation, not as just a matter of conclusion, that there's been more than $5 million in damages. And then if they do that, the judge will get to some of the other attacks on the complaint as to whether they're even stating claims under, under the law. So I hope that wasn't too procedural, but we're at a procedural, procedural stage of this case. So Jonathan, what are your thoughts? I, I think the whole thing's interesting. I think, I mean, win, lose, or draw in this litigation. I think it shows us the complexities involved when people do new things with technology. And as we've talked about before, under the new EU privacy rules, the General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR, there's this concept of data protection impact assessments. They're not that new. We have had DPIAs uh, called privacy impact assessments in countries like the UK, down in Australia, for some time. But uh, that process might be something for those who are doing uh, new technology like um, Pokemon Go to um, that might be there might be lessons there for them to adopt. I mean, I guess that the developers of this game had in mind the harm or possible harm to third parties when they developed the game, and hopefully they took all the steps they could to minimise the harm. But I guess if this action does proceed, we'll see whether that's the case or not. Regardless, I guess, if I'm developing a new game like this, particularly if it has, um, you know, if it's going to launch in the EU and particularly if it's going to be used after May 2018, then the DPIA process might be something I want to look at and, uh, and try and minimize the risk accordingly. Because it seems to me that whatever the result of this litigation, I mean, presumably the developers are being put to, to legal costs, which they're unlikely to recover, even if the plaintiff's action falls away. Well, that's, I mean, normally in our country, probably unlike where you are, uh, 
you pay your own attorney's fees unless there's some sort of fee shifting. So if there's a contract, a contract that says the prevailing party in any litigation gets fees, then that's the case. Or if there's a statute that might uh, shift the fees. Um, so that's true. So we'll see what happens. Uh, there was another point I was going to make. But what I was going to say, Jonathan, was another feature of this case is that in addition to seeking damages, uh, and by the way, you know, the point of class action attorneys and like to seek damages because that's how they get paid. If there's a large recovery, they might get a third or 40% of the money. But they're also seeking an injunction seeking to prevent in-game GPS tags from being placed on private property without permission. So that's another interesting feature of the case. Um, all righty. Well, I think this might just do a nice little uh, overview of this case. We'll see where it goes, if anywhere. Um, beyond the pleading stage, the pleading battle. Uh, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Um, all that remains, I guess, to say is this has been a, a discreet uh, Tech Law 10. Uh, Jonathan actually brought this one to my attention, even though it's in my own backyard. So Jonathan, you're ever watchful, uh, and I'm appreciative. Uh, I'm Eric Sinrod uh, at Dwayne Morris. My uh, email is ejsinrod at dwaynemorris.com. You can find us on the usual social media outlets. Jonathan, why don't you bring it home? Thanks very much for the kind words, Eric. I'm ever watchful because I'm not always watching my screen looking for little avatars. Um, yes, thanks for listening. We'll be in touch again in a week or so with more news. Always happy to hear your topics. I'm uh, jonathan.armstrong at cordrycompliance.com. Do get in touch if you want to reach out to us for anything. Uh, thanks, and uh, speak to you again in a week or so. Take care. Cheers. 